Welcome to our news episode of Salt and Light with Africa Christian Action, broadcasted on Tigerberg Radio. And we are grateful for that pleasure. Tonight we're dealing with 30 years standing for life and liberty. In the studio with me is Dr. Peter Hammond, Director of Frontline Fellowship. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Indemisa. It's great to be here. And, you know, we have been broadcasting since 1994, August 1995. And so uh, that means Africa Christian Action, for almost as long as Africa Christian Action has been going, we've been part of Radio Tigerberg every week on Salt and Light, and what a privilege that is. As the same age as I am. There we go. So tonight uh, we're going to be just covering and overviewing some of uh, the events that took place under the Africa Christian Action Banner, ACA, uh, where we had a live chain this past Sunday. And uh, in spite of some distractions that may have happened, we managed to do what we came there to do, which is distribute literature and to the fullest of our ability and power. And uh, yeah, uh, in spite of that, uh, Dr. Hammond had some... Uh, things to talk about in, in concerning what had taken place at the time. Yes, uh, you know, it's always a challenge. We praise God. Africa's Action has been going 30 years. Uh, since February 1991, ACA was launched, and in fact, the same month that my first child was born, uh, Andrea. So uh, now Andrea has three children. We've got three grandchildren, and uh, Africa's Connections also birthed many other ministries in the process too. Right. So uh, ACA from the very beginning is very strong on the rights of life of preborn babies. So uh, we were organizing pro-life demonstrations as early as 1991, but the first life chain we held was 1992. And so every first Sunday in October since 1992, we've been organizing the annual life chains. Now, the life chains are an international event. This is right. global. Something like a million people in 1,800 venues around the world take part in Life Change on the average uh, first Sunday in October. So it's, it's a global event. It's a wonderful way of Christians make a positive, practical stand for the right to life preborn babies. And, and it's important because, first of all, we want to encourage mothers going through a crisis pregnancy. Correct. You're not alone. You're not forgotten. There are other options. When you feel alone, you feel desperate, you feel there's no choices. No, there are other choices. Adoption is a loving option. There are crisis pregnancy centers. There are unwed mothers' homes. There are different groups caring, and there's adoption agencies, and there's many different uh, options before one. And those people say your only option is abortion or your right. best option is abortion are not telling the truth. So it's vital for us to be there for the mothers, and uh, then also to speak up for the baby, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, rescue those being led away to death, hold back those staggering towards slaughter. So these are some of the verses that inspire us. We're also hoping to reach journalists who need to give the other side of the story. <laughs> and that's often, a very rare occasion. Often they only give the case for abortion. And so it's important to give the case for adoption and life and choose life so that you and your children may live. Also, we hope to bring some conviction of sin on those politicians who have enacted the legislation that Correct. legalized the killing of babies. Now, the Bible is very clear. Life begins at conception. And the Bill of Rights is clear. Everyone shall have the right to life. Correct. But somehow or another, in the minds of some politicians, the right to life clause means a judge, even in the calm environment of a court, after hearing all sides of the evidence, cannot sentence a serial killer 
a mass murderer or some kidnap and torturer and child abuser and rapist. He cannot condemn them to death because murderers and rapists have the right to life. Right. But apparently anyone can choose to kill a baby. Apparently the right to life does not apply to the most innocent of all, but it does apply to the most guilty of all. So this seems a bit bizarre. It is. Because the Bill of Rights is pretty clear. Everyone shall have the right to life. And I would have thought, you know, evidence, medical evidence, scientific evidence, follow the science to say, at three weeks after conception, the baby's heartbeat can be detected. Three yeah. weeks. And science confirms this. Six weeks after conception, the brainwave can be measured, the lifelong brainwave. At nine weeks after conception, all the baby's organs are in place, and by 12 weeks, even the fingerprints are settled and all that. So, you know, honestly, the DNA from the day of conception is settled uh, for the child. So all of these things, when you look at it, well, follow the science, follow the the evidence and trust the medicine. Well, biology 101 is life begins at conception. And everyone shall have the right to life. You would have thought babies have the right to life, but apparently not according to some politicos. So we hope the life change will will bring some conviction of sin on those who are engaged in the worst child abuse of all, killing of preborn babies. And Amen. just to bear in mind what abortion involves, in case people have forgotten, it's not something as simple as taking a pill. Abortions either poison a child to death in the womb or it dismembers them through cutting them up or it uses a very powerful suction machine that, that's, that rips arms and limbs off. Right. Uh, then there's saline uh, uh, of abortions which basically burns the child to death. So whether they burn, poison, dismember, cut up or rip them bit by bit, let's face it, all abortion is an act of violence against a pre-born baby and... Uh, Biblically, by the way, there's no difference in the terminology between a baby born and a baby that is outside the womb. Whether it's a one- or two-year-old toddler running around or crawling around or it's a baby in the womb, the word in Greek is brepos. And so, for example, you will read in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, that Elizabeth says, as soon as... Your your voice uh, was heard. The baby within me leapt for joy. Mm. And that was John the Baptist. And so, uh, and it speaks about the brepos. And what is the Apostles' Creed? We believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, conceived of the Virgin Mary. Mm. So we don't believe in Lord Jesus Christ as of his baptism or even as of his birth, but from the point of conception, conceived of the Virgin Mary. It's an Apostles' Creed. It's, uh, life begins at conception is an article of the Christian faith. Right. That is so true and evident. And uh, concerning journalists, uh, you tend to, at these events, um, get them there. And we notice that they seem to want to interview or talk to the males to give a kind of sort of picture that the Christian community is out of touch, that males are only defending uh, the the right to life, whereas females mm-hmm. are are the ones that need to be fighting this fight, but they're not here because they know that uh, we ha- they have a right to, to kill a baby, but it's not the case. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yes. In fact, let's face it, there's a bit of a narrative out there, and it's, uh, it's very predictable. Right. And so when it comes to most of our pro-life uh, demonstrations or protests, the media tends to ignore. But if they don't ignore and they give some attention, they will focus in on a picture of, of some males, um, holding a pro-life banner. And they'll ignore the hundreds of females there right. who are uh, as as pro-life, if not more so. 
And they'll also particularly ignore the pregnant mothers and the mothers with the prams of the babies. And, you know, let's not confuse issues by, by showing babies here. And uh, so uh, there was one of the uh, articles that came in the Cape Times where the only person of hundreds of people who marched for the right to life to Parliament, uh, they focused on one very old Catholic nun. Mm. And so I suppose that fits it. You know, some old Catholic nuns can be pro-life uh, and some males can be pro-life, but no woman. And yeah. so what's also interesting on another side is when we've done some demonstrations against pornography, they would focus on some old woman. Mm. In the, and you wouldn't see any of the young, healthy men carrying the signs, I will, I will not uh, uh, put my eyes upon, uh, I will not look with lust and I will look on no unclean thing and, you know, real men don't use porn. I mean, the, right. those, that, those pictures never appeared. And so, again, they, they're stereotyping. And so it's so important for people to see women are pro-life and men yes. are anti-porn. Yes. And, uh, okay, this this upsets the narrative in the media, which has got a very nice, convenient categorization. And I like to put you in a box and label you. Exactly. But um, you can't label. In fact, I don't think uh, anyone could put a label on the people who were there yesterday. We had a very wide spectrum of people and of ages. Right. And both genders. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it was obviously a an event which many people feel strongly about, including how many motorists driving past gave very positive thumbs up and who didn't support. And you could see that while there were some negatives and some ugly signs and a bit of abuse here and there from some motorists, the vast majority are positive and pro-life. And, and you could see that many appreciated us being there. Okay. And since it's such a controversial issue, has there been any, has there been any incidences in the past um, of harassment at any of uh, the placard holders or even you or staff of uh, Christian Action and uh, Frontline Fellowship, has there been any harassment from people, from the authorities, from legislators to try and make it as difficult as possible for you in the past? And have you and the organization ever caused any trouble or, or harm to mm. the area with, with which you protest in? No, well, in fact, let's start with the last question first. Um, none of our people at any of our pro-life rallies, and we talk about 30 years track record, we've never thrown a stone, we've never broken a window, right. we haven't uh, even left litter. In fact, more to the point, we, for example, on Sunday, the last life chain, we had people tossed with uh, plastic gloves and, and plastic plastic bags to collect any litter around so that we left the place much cleaner than we found it. So, no, we've never been involved in any violence or destruction of property or anything like that. So, uh, in fact, I remember the first time we marched to Parliament on this issue of the legalized abortion, we came across the full riot gear. They had a whole line of, of police lined up there with, with these full shields, like massive, it looked like Roman-type shields, and they had their batons and the helmets and uh, all that. And you could see they, they had behind the armored cars with the... Uh, water can. So they were, they'd formed a whole line between us and Parliament. And I thought, what do they think we're going to do? I mean, we pro-lifers, we Christians, we sing hymns, we pray, we lay some wreaths. Right. Uh, so the next time, I mean, that was the only time they ever turned up with that, which was obviously they realized this is a waste of time. Well, maybe they enjoyed the, the break. Um, right. <laughs> but um, normally, uh, if we've got a march upon a couple of traffic officers come along on motorbikes and to help escort us through traffic lights and 
that's about it. Okay. And uh, so normally nothing. And we've never had any complication. We've never had a problem. We've normally had a good relationship with the police. Uh, we're often chatting with them and many of them are enthusiastic. In fact, a lot of police, Metro Police, Traffic Police, SAPS, have expressed to us their pro-life sentiments at previous marches over the years. But this last week was different, and uh, we were super surprised to arrive at the venue to find a large police van uh, already parked on the island before we were there, and we got there really early. Right. So that was surprising. Our next thing was uh, to see a whole lot of metro police turn up and then traffic police turn up. And you know, normally a traffic police car may come past, just check everything's okay maybe asks a question or two and then they go off. Uh, but this was the first time we had full representation of traffic police, metro police, and SAPS. The whole uh, arm of the law. It, it was like, wow, there's nothing else going on in Cape Town today. Uh, are they bored? Um, but then we had a very strange thing, and that is a traffic officer, uh, a Jay Brunt, came and he told us that what we're doing is illegal. We produced our um, authority permit from the city council, which had to really, because we notified, this is an annual event. We've been right. doing this for years, 29 years at this location, no less, and um, uh, showed this, and, and he uh, said, no, you, you can't be distributing literature. And we said, but we always distribute literature. He said, no, that's illegal. It's illegal to distribute literature at a protest. Distributing literature at a protest is a major part of how we communicate. People right. see the posters, they see the banners, and if they're interested in reading more well, someone's offering for those who want to wind down the windows, which most do, right. uh, to receive a leaflet. And, and so, you know, on the average life chain, we can distribute 5,000 leaflets because people at busy intersections are interested. You know, what's all this about? And they want to read more. So distributing literature is obviously all part of it. And he said, no, it's illegal to distribute literature. Your permit only allows you to protest. Yes, but, <laughs> but the protest is always part of literature being distributed. For 30 years we've been doing this. We've never had anyone suggest it's wrong. And he said, no, you, you're not allowed to distribute literature. No one in a permit does say you can distribute literature. I said, no one in a permit does say we cannot distribute literature. Surely you don't need permission in order to do things. You just need They just need to tell you what you're not allowed to do. Right. But uh, if they haven't uh, forbidden it, like obviously we don't want to block traffic. Right. We don't want to harm people. I mean, that's reasonable. And we wouldn't anyway. But there's nothing in this permit that says you're not allowed to distribute literature. In fact, the Constitution's very clear that everyone has the right to protest peacefully and uh, under artistic expression also to, to disseminate information, to impart information or to receive information. And so we have these inalienable rights in our Bill of Rights, which are incontrovertible. Right. But this man kept arguing that no, and he kept changing his position because he said he it's illegal. So the first thing, which when he said that it's illegal to be distributing literature, I said, but people are distributing literature, traffic lights, almost every day every of day. the week all over the country. And I've seen every kind of police vehicle. They're never getting involved, never stopping. I've always thought people can, whether it's for marketing right. or, or hawkers or begging. Or, I mean, there's many different people at traffic lights, and I've never seen police stopping that. And, uh, in fact, sometimes I see things where I think the police should stop because some folks ha have literally sat down the middle of the road, which is very dangerous, right. I presume under drugs or drinks influence, but very disturbing. Um, now, I mean, I could imagine that's a problem, but we had specified in writing and verbally to the people before di distributing, those distributing literature only move in 
to the road when all traffic has stopped and distribute literature to the stationary vehicles. And the moment traffic starts to start, immediately go to the side. And that's what our people do. We don't stay standing in the road, which many others do. I mean, I've seen a lot of hawkers, marketing teams, who literally stand in the middle of the road while traffic passes on both sides of them, which I think is a bit irresponsible and dangerous. But uh, we weren't doing that. And, uh, and even while he was telling us, and he had already instructed our people to leave the literature distribution, right. there were other people there marketing, hawketing, and so on, and uh, begging. And uh, he didn't stop them. So it was just protesters. So any day of the week, we could go to any traffic light and distribute literature. But apparently not at this pro-life protest where people would be interested. In fact, people were wanting to get literature. People were even asking for it. Yes. And we were being told we weren't allowed to distribute. So that was strange. And then after pointing this out, he changed the goalpost to, no, we're concerned for the safety of your people. So well, I appreciate that, but we have taken precautions. The people distributing literature are old enough and we've taught them and they've got experience of in course. this. We've been very selective. And they are instructed to move to the side of the road, which they we're doing when traffic's moving, only to go out when it's stationary. And it, besides which, in 30 years, we've never had an incident or an accident. So, um, and uh, then he wanted all of our banners removed from the pedestrian mall running over Boatenkrug Street. Now, that pedestrian bridge is a very nice bridge to hang banners down from. And uh, it, in fact, looked very colorful and, and so on. And he said it could distract motorists. Now, I'm thinking that's interesting. So what about billboards and advertising on the sides of buildings and electioneering posters on lampposts? I right. mean, you see those every day. Yes. And for that matter, many cars have got interesting bumper stickers and many trucks have got advertising on the on sides the and many vehicles have on their windows. So there's a lot of distractions on a given day, which a responsible motorist must be careful not to be distracted and to keep focused uh, when he's driving. Now, of course, of course, if you're stationary at a traffic light waiting, then you can look around and read what's on the posters. And that's the whole point, to right. read to people while they're waiting at the red traffic light. Endangering nobody. But even then... Is there a law against having advertising, posters, banners? I, I mean, you can walk along on a given day and you can stand with a poster at a traffic light. Right, you could. And there's, in fact, people do. And uh, that's not against the law. So this was seemed awfully arbitrary. It just looked like he was making it up on, on, on the went. spot. And then he said, I don't want to debate with you. And you walked away. Then we try and debate with the local, negotiate with the local metro police. And he says, I can't say anything about this because uh, a superior officer has given instruction. And, uh, I mean, he wasn't there anymore. Right. And I fetched a member of the provincial legislature, Ferlin Christians, to speak to them. And he also came and said, it is the constitutional right of these people to distribute literature, to display banners. And... Uh, Again, he didn't seem to get anywhere with this metro policeman. It's just, well, I'm just obeying orders and so on. And he tried to say there's nothing on this permit that says you may distribute literature. But there's nothing on the permit that said you may not distribute literature. So he's working it the other way around. And even a member of the provincial legislature, who's, by the way, a memorial candidate uh, for one of the parties in the upcoming election, uh, even he couldn't get any headway with the metro police. And so... Unfortunately, our literature distribution was curtailed heavily. We only managed to distribute literature until about 20 to 3. Okay. And for the next over an hour, uh, we were stopped. So our people did manage to distribute 2,700 leaflets. 
pro-life leaflets, including a thousand World Missionary Press Gospel booklets. In that short time, we had 16 literature distributors, so they did a lot. But imagine how much it could have distributed if they were allowed to go on for another hour. And so I'm afraid this traffic officer Brunt hindered the work of the gospel, limited the amount of evangelistic literature being able to distribute. And we believe he actually infringed on our uh, Bill of Rights, our right to, in Section 17, everyone has the right peacefully and unarmed to assemble, to demonstrate, to picket, and to present petitions. In addition, under Section 16, Bill of Rights, everyone has the right to freedom of expression, which includes freedom of the press and other media, freedom to receive or impart information or ideas, and freedom of artistic creativity. Correct. Which is exactly what we were doing with the banners, the posters, the leaflets. And so um, shame on uh, that traffic officer or whoever high up might have uh, incited him to do this uh, for interfering in a peaceful, global, international life chain event that has been going on for over 30 years, really and truly, uh, what is going on in our city. That is a, um, a sad uh, state of affairs for how our little freedoms are being attacked and, and squashed in such a, a, a slow but increasing manner. And with that, um, Africa Christian Action is a ministry to the body of Christ. And uh, it tries to equip the church, the believer on the streets, and um, anybody that comes to seek um, any literature, any, any ways that could be equipped to have an action team. Um, do you think that the churches within our city are doing enough for crisis pregnancies and mothers in crisis situations in terms of uh, being pregnant and having nothing else as an option and they see this poster on a pole and they see it says abortion for free. Do you think uh, we as the church have done enough um, with the materials we've been given and the lessons we've learned from teachers, the Bible, from ministries like ACA? Do you think we have used it to its full potential? Certainly not enough. I mean, praise God for the faithful people. And there are very faithful people out there outside abortion clinics doing sidewalk counseling, praying, picketing, making a stand. And there are some very dedicated people in adoption agencies. And there's Christian families we know who've adopted four or five children. And uh, so praise God for what's been done. But are we doing enough? Certainly not. We could do a lot more. And the scripture is so clear that we are to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, to rescue those being led away to death, to hold back those staggering towards slaughter. We're told that true religion is to care for widows and orphans in their distress, to care for the fatherless. Now, honestly, in most cases, when you're dealing with people considering abortion, what are you dealing with but fatherlessness? It's where, where's the father? If the father was there willing to support, the mother would probably be going through it, uh, through with the uh, birth and not going through with an abortion. In fact, it's been well pointed out in the article Unchoice that statistically, most women going for abortion don't want to have the abortion, right. but are being bullied by a male member of the family, mm. uncle, father, brother, or even the father of the child. It could be, you know, could be the husband, could be the boyfriend, but Correct. many times they're being bullied. And, to, and, and we can see it. Sometimes you can see the woman walking towards uh, Mary Stopes and she's uh, interested in what we're saying and coming towards us and this chap just grabs her by the arm and yanks her over and, mm. uh, with anger. And, you know, she's just about 
gets knocked off her feet there. Uh, so really and truly, this business of it's a woman's right to choose. Well, you know, pro-choice is a lie. Babies don't choose to die. Right. But a real feminist would be making a stand for the right to life of pre-born women. Because do you know that the vast majority of those aborted are actually female? Now, you may think, how is that possible, this discrepancy? Isn't it like half-half? Well, in India, for example, and China, uh, China where they've had the one-child policy for years, and India where girls are looked down on, they do an amniocentesis test when they can tell that the sex of the child about to be born is is uh, female, many choose to have an abortion out of all wow. uh, uh, proportions. So disproportionately in India and in China, there's vastly more men than mm. are women now because of the sex selection. Now, how's that for discrimination based on gender? And yet I don't see the feminists make a stand on that. And that that's a serious thing to think, it oh, is. I'm going to choose to abort if it's a female. You know, that's that alone terrible. Should... <laughs> that's absolutely shocking. Quite aside from what is it doing to society, look, all abortion's wrong. Uh, life begins at conception. Abortion is murder. That's that's straightforward. But uh, this kind of sex selection abortion, which is very prevalent in the Far East, uh, should be of deep concern to to everyone. And I would think that uh, the feminists, the real feminists, if they really believe in women's rights, they should be campaigning against that. That's so true. And Africa Christian Action has been around for 30 years and... They've partaken and organized many great events. Um, just to name a few, like there'll be Sanctity Life Sunday, there'll be the March for Life on the 1st of Feb, and of obviously the Life Chain. Um, is there a way we can make this more accessible to those Christians that are not activated? I think uh, the abortion issue yes. is a is a issue that's too great for them or is it a political issue mm -hmm. and is there a way we can reach those because I remember there was a point in time when I was a Christian and I didn't even know this is an issue mm. that we are supposed to be in I just thought it's a political issue um, yes no indeed uh, in the scripture we read who will rise up for me against the workers of iniquity who will make a stand for me against the evildoers uh, Psalm 94 verse 16 and have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them Ephesians 5 verse 11 it's so important for us to be salt and light the Lord said you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world let your light so shine before men that they may praise your Father in heaven for your good deeds. And so it's important for us to make a stand, for us to love our neighbor, to be like the Good Samaritan, to go and do likewise. And so uh, this this is uh, a key part to what Africa Christian Action has been trying to do for the last 30 years is produce resource and materials to inform, to inspire, and to involve, to motivate and to mobilize, to educate and to enlist. Uh, and that's why the word action is in there. It's to motivate people to action. And uh, I've even had people object, like, why do you have the word action in Africa Christian action? Because we want people to get their faith in action, put feet to the faith, right. uh, uh, boots on, on the ground, feet on the street. And so Africa Christian action has produced some great materials, like the Make a Difference, a Christian action handbook for Southern Africa, which covers all the issues and practically what we can do about it. Fight for Life, a Christian handbook uh, for Southern Africa. Pandemic uh, uh, on how the pornography plague affects you and your family and what you can do about it, the rise of the gay GB and the pink inquisition, a biblical principles for Africa, a power of prayer handbook, biblical principles for Africa has been translated also into French and Afrikaans. And so we've got a starters pack of persons says, I'd like to start a prayer and Bible study and action group. How do I go about it? Well, we've got 
a whole lot of years of of resources, ideas put down there, how to get started, how to write letters, how to organize peaceful protests, how to organize letter writing campaigns, how to use social media for the advancement of this. And we've got a whole range of tracks that you can download free and different languages, print, distribute, or share electronically. We've got videos online like the Stand for Life and Make a Stand for Life and on Life Chain and March for Life. Um, you can find on the christianaction.org.za website books, videos, PowerPoints, audios, tracts, articles, links. So if you want to get involved, the first thing is write to info at christianaction.org.today. Visit www.christianaction.org.today. Find Africa Christian Action on Facebook. Like and share it. And get involved in upcoming events such as promoting Sanctity Life Sunday, 30th of January, 2022. March for Life in uh, 30, 1st of February, uh, 2022, which is the anniversary of legalization of abortion in South Africa. Let's all see what we can do to inform and to involve more people in making a stand for the right to life. Awesome. Africa Christian Action is based in Cape Town, but remember, folks, you can start an action group in your community. Thank you for your time, Dr. Peter Hammond. And uh, we've been in the studio with Dr. Peter Hammond discussing 30 years of ACA action. And uh, yeah, enjoy your night. God bless. Good night. <laughs>